Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you think it is morally okay to have strategic friendships when trying to build a career? Is that a trick question? It's weird because everybody knows me from motorsport, but my entire life was made up of being on stage. Didn't you end up with a racing license? Yeah, I did actually. Anybody who owned a supercar that I knew in South Africa would be like, do you want to go for a ride? I'd be like, no, I want to drive it. I think I can be quite savage. How long have you been also a star or made in Chelsea? I strike that from my profile. Innocent, young, completely naive. I didn't want that in my life. It was a lot of drama and unnecessary arguments. We don't really talk about that. Do you experience difficulty being a woman in motorsport? Yeah. 50% of people who are horrible and don't like the change. I remember driving home and crying the whole way home. I still get scared. I'm not going to lie. Like I have, I get imposter syndrome. I also have been used throughout my career and I don't like. Emma, in researching your story, I've been surprised, shocked and inspired. Uh, And in many ways, it's given me the context into how you've got to where you are today. Many people will probably recognize you from a variety of different things, whether they followed you in TV or in presenting. However, Emma, in your own words, who are you and what do you do? Hello, first of all. Uh, This year, um, my name is Emma Walsh. Uh, I am a presenter and content creator from a little town called Somerset West in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, And I've been living in the UK for about 13 years now. And why? Why was that decision made to leave Cape Town where no doubt we wouldn't be having to put the heater on in the back of our studio over there right now and come over to miserable old England? I know. I actually just got back from Cape Town, so it's a a big adjustment to the cold. Um, I mean, long story short, I used to be a performer. I'm sure we'll get into this. And I moved over to the UK uh, doing Grease the musical. So that was the reason why I originally came over to the UK. And was performing, being in the world of musical theatre, was that something that you were around when you grew up? Paint us a picture of what life was like, maybe when you moved or write those earliest memories that kind of formed the things that you love today. My parents were a very famous pop group in the UK in the late 70s, which is really strange. As kids growing up, we didn't quite believe it until our parents used to show us all the gold records, pictures of meeting, you know, the, the Queen and the Prince and all their um, their videos of screaming fans. And so they were a, a really big pop group in the UK. My dad moved over to South Africa when I was born um, to kind of get away from the limelight. And so my childhood was, was growing up on the beach, um, living a great life as a kid, but very much involved in the music industry, following my parents' footsteps. So there was a lot of singing in the family. Every event, every event was a song. Um, But yeah, we did a lot of musical theatre growing up and my parents played uh, in a band called Shiraz so that every weekend they were playing a gig which we would get involved in. So my childhood 
was very much growing up in the music industry, which I kind of followed into a career. So there was no other question for you. You weren't at that point surrounded by the world of motorsports or the TV, just everything was creative and performing. So how did you, when you moved over here, how did that transpire into you starting to do things in theatre? So I was definitely a tomboy growing up. I think I liked sports as well. I did everything. I was dancing, I was singing, I was drama. I was running, I was playing tennis, I was doing I was doing everything I could as a as a kid. Um, and in Somerset West where we grew up, there was literally nothing to do as kids for kids' parties besides laser quest and um, karting. So I used to go down to the karting track all the time as a kid and I was really good. I don't know, I, I beat all the boys. I really loved it. My dad used to watch F1, he's a big sport fan. So I think the love of Formula One came from my dad no one in the house would watch it with them. Um, and I just loved the sound of the cars. I was just obsessed with learning how they drove these cars around the track. I thought it was incredible and the talent was immense. So I used to go to the karting track and I absolutely loved it. And there was a, a part of me that wanted to be this racing driver, but there was a part of me that wanted to be this this pop star. And in South Africa, number one woman in motorsport was just not a thing. I mean, I'm 40 now, so it was a long time ago. It wasn't a thing um, back then. And also money-wise in South Africa, there wasn't much going on. So it wasn't really a... a, a, a Prospect. A, yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a hard decision. It was either you're going to be following your footsteps as a, as a dancer and a singer like your parents or somehow you're going to be a racing driver. And that just wasn't, wasn't going to happen. So carried on with the dancing and singing and um, made a, a, a long career out of it. And it's it's weird because everybody knows me from motorsport, but my entire life was made up of being on stage. Well, I think a lot of people from, say, my circles know you from motorsport because we sit in things like at the weekend, the live action show at the NEC where you're there with David Croft, one of the longest standing F1 commentators, proper pinching member. And it's not the first time you've done it either. So maybe many people from my circles and where I go know you from the world of motorsport. Which is but- why, why my voice is like this, <laughs> by the way. Just yeah. come off the back. Of I, I will <laughs> say when we were sat in the audience, it was smoky and kind of, coughable environment yes. so being down on the actual main area yeah. with cars sliding about a foot away from you yeah was, I, mean, uh, it, it, I was swallowing the rubber coming off the tires as well as the smoke and between each show we've got about 15 minutes to, to reset and it, it is literally like wipe your face off uh with just dirt everywhere so yeah my throat is a little bit croaky today but uh and that brings us on brilliantly to kind of some of the things to summarise what you're doing now before we go into them, because you've explained what your childhood kind of looked up, things that kind of sparked where you got to now. And I'm really excited to kind of put out there. Didn't you end up with a racing licence, that girl from yeah. the track? Yeah, I did. Have actually. you still got a racing licence? I, I actually just renewed it as well. Yeah, I, got, I don't know what I was thinking at the time. I was offered the opportunity and in the back of my mind when I moved here, uh, being on track even in a car wasn't a thing for me when I was a kid it was just a dream and I think anybody who owned a supercar that I knew in South Africa uh, would kind of be like do you want to go for a ride and I'd be like no I want to drive it like I don't want to sit in the passenger seat so yeah growing up I wanted to learn how to drive these cars on track and I had the opportunity with um, I think it was a, a red letter days you know those like vouchers that you get 99 pound free laps yeah Three laps, three of your best laps. So my boyfriend at the time's parents bought this for me as a gift. And I was like, this is incredible. And got to drive this Ferrari around a track. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. And the guy was like, you're really good. And I was like, can we do more laps? They were like, no, you just paid three, so <laughs> out you get. Um, and I was hooked. I was like, God, this is amazing. And um, so I started doing more of those. And eventually, I mean, yeah, long story short, I was offered a, a chance to do my license and I had no idea what I was going to do with it. I just thought, how cool would it be to get a racing license and say to like my friends back home, like I have this racing license. So I did. I got my racing license. And, you uh, definitely summarized it as I'm a racing driver now. I'm like, I'm, I'm a racing driver. <laughs> the little sure. WhatsApp yeah, bio. Yeah, yeah. I was like, look at this picture. <laughs> Amazing. So all of those things, how does a girl, when you're growing up with those passions in mind, something that you want to do, how do you actually turn that into a reality? How was it that you didn't end up in a nine to five work in a kind of what we consider to be rather a normal life in the UK where where we see you from the outside you're in TV as you said from growing up learning performing arts and musicals you can see how that's kind of transpired into that but presenting motorsport all these opportunities does it start with just trying to build a profile build a following how did you do it don't get me wrong my 
profile looks very glamorous, but trust me when I say I have worked in every job you can imagine. I've done nine to five, I've sold insurance, I've been in real estate, I've done every promotion under the sun. I've dressed as a Teletubby in a kid's store. I've been at a petrol station selling coupon. Like I've really done it all. Uh, I didn't come from a wealthy background. I didn't have that support financially when I moved over. I came over, I had nothing, literally no money. And I had to I had to make a plan. So I was auditioning at the time, which is, as you know, not paid. So I joined a promotion agency. I got a nine to five job in an events company. Uh, I did everything I could just to survive. And eventually I decided that the performing world was not enough for me. Um, and it just wasn't getting paid. You don't get paid a lot of money for what you do. You're working eight shows a week um, and it's difficult. I came from South Africa, even though I've got a British passport, they weren't accepting me as somebody who'd studied in a, in a drama school here. So I'd always get down to the last two people and then they'd be like, well, you didn't study a drama school here, so we're not going to take you on for the job. And the, I'm talking about three month auditioning. So it was, it was a lot. Um, I don't even know how I built a profile from that. I started working in the industry. Um, I got my license. I met, I mean, it was all a case of networking, meeting the right people at the right time, getting my license, meeting a few YouTubers. Um, and I just went from there. I honestly had no plan to change my career. I didn't expect myself to get into what I'm doing now. I mean, it was not planned at all. Because time also flies. How long have you been also a star or made in Chelsea? How long? <laughs> yeah. I'm not on it anymore. Um, yes, I, I, I strike that from my profile. So we don't we don't really talk about that. But um, no, I was on it a very long time ago. And that again was by chance. Just um, I used to work in a nightclub, Mihiki. I met Binky and Ollie in the show, became friends with them. And the show kind of invited me on. Uh, I hated it. It was awful. I thought it was just this world that, I mean, it's not a real world. And I found, I actually found it quite difficult. So that was the first time I went on. And from there, I'm trying to think back now, from there, yeah, I was still working in the music industry. I was in a girl band for a while. Um, that was, I think that was after Made in Chelsea. So I got in a girl band for a while. Um, we were put together for X Factor which was a whole nother drama, <laughs> a big drama um, that didn't work out. And yeah, I went to Monaco and met Shmi on a, I mean, this is a time when I had no money. I was not sure what to do next. I'd just been let go from a musical theater job or it ended, the contract had ended. And I was sat there doing nothing. And somebody called me saying, um, you had an events company in South Africa. My friend is going to Monaco. He's hosting these people on a yacht for the F1 and he's looking for somebody to help him look after the VIPs. And I was like, that's me. I'm the person. Um, how much are they paying? And they were like, no, it's not paid. But you get this amazing experience uh, of being in Monaco and watching the Formula One. And I was like, well, I've never seen a Formula One ever other than the TV. And what a place to go to Monaco to watch your first Formula One. So I was like, okay. I've got nothing to lose, so I went. And it was the worst job of my life in terms of not being paid, overworked, um, treated pretty badly, but it was the change in my career of meeting the right people at the right time. And it was Shmi, his manager, uh, a racing driver, and somebody else with a racing car on the boat that I looked after that I ended up talking to and networking and pursuing those friendships and relationships that set the kind of road to getting my license, start a YouTube channel and um, yeah, to where I am now. So that is a lot of people that you met <laughs> in a, a short period of yeah. time. Just to touch on it, because it's a question on my list and I think you touched on it, it's not a real world. Are things like the Love Islands of this world, the Made in Chelsea's, what is that like for someone being on, on that show and how staged are those shows? It's really difficult to tell because... If you've been on a show for a long time, you know exactly how they work. You know what parts are going to be filmed. You know which sentences they're going to keep as memes, as gifts, whatever. You kind of know how to work a show. And I found that that was the problem for me going on the show is they're not going on to, I mean, it was sold to me that, you know, you can 
your entrance scene will be driving a Ferrari on track. And I think my management at the time was like, go on, it might boost your profile. And you can, they told me I could sing on there, I could dance. And at the time I was doing stunts as well. So I was in the movie industry doing stunts. So they had all these- Of course th- you were. Oh, yeah, of course I was. <laughs> well, ninja. Um, so they were like, oh, you can do this, you can do that. And um, you know, you can showcase all your, your talents. And I was like, this will be great for my profile. Um, innocent, young, completely naive to the fact that it's a reality show and they want drama, of course. Um, so the first thing that happened when I went on was the, the story was made up about me. And I was like, what's going on right now? Like, I don't understand why you're saying this when it's not true. And it was really confusing. Um, so very difficult to understand who your friends were and who was acting and who, because a lot of it was real. I mean, they go on what you're telling them. So each person has a producer and they have to believe what you're saying and you're supposed to tell them the truth about everything that's happening. So when you have two producers with two different cast or talent and they're saying two different stories, uh, you know, of course they're like, oh, this is brilliant. This is gonna cause drama, let's bring them on. <laughs> Does it start playing with your mind though? Cause do you feel like you have to be, the more dramatic you are, the longer you'll stay there. And I'm guessing there's also a financial gain to stay in there as well sure. or being on a yeah. show like that. I mean, strategy for sure, which is not what I went in with, I think. Even when I went in the second time, I had no, I didn't want to go on the second time, but I had no strategy. I was like, I was dating somebody who was already on the show and they were like, you know, you need to come on. Or he was like, you need to come on either we're on it together or, or we're not, you know, it's not, you don't want to date somebody who's on the show without you. It's just a recipe for disaster. Um, and they love to cause drama. And I think he was naive at the time thinking that we'd have this really fun, wonderful relationship on TV where I'm like, they want drama and that's exactly what uh, that's exactly what they got so i'm an actress like i could have acted through the whole thing but i just it didn't feel right to me at the time and i also didn't care enough i think to be on the show longer than expected i didn't want that in my life it was a lot of drama and unnecessary arguments and bad vibes that i didn't want i had a career do you think it did anything for your personal no. profile and what you're in now in motorsports? So do you think if you Not just totally removed and erased that from, yeah. from your story, do you think you'd be in exactly the same place? I have erased it in my mind. It's gone. <laughs> we'll stop asking about it's it in a gone. minute then. Um, no, Motorsport I, creator, yes, Emma. Other things. Um, no, I honestly, I didn't gain a following from it. Um, my following was, was created when I started YouTube, um, when I started racing cars. Uh, I had, I had maybe... 7,000 followers, I think, before that. So it really wasn't, it didn't boost anything for me in terms of in terms of profile. And I kept it under the radar. Like, I don't talk about it much. But do you, do you sound like, with all of this stuff, and potentially it's the reason that you've got opportunities that you've got, it seems like you just grab every opportunity that comes in front of you and say <laughs> yes. Is that how you are now? I try to. I mean, look, I'm an overthinker, so I'll definitely think of the pros and cons of everything. But I do feel like, and, I, and I've definitely put myself in these positions for sure, where I get offered some really cool things. And I think, why say no? Like, you, also, you don't know where that's going to lead to. So I do often say, say yes to stuff. And I'm often terrified. And I say yes anyway. I'm like, this is scary. Which, last night I spoke to your friend Talia. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I oh, know. We had such a good time. And, oh, no. Um, she, she actually said a really lovely quote about you that she would be absolutely nowhere without the support of her best friend and that you are simply amazing and that you've always been there and that you were extremely tough. But when I started also quizzing Talia about some other things to try and find out what she would get across as someone that really knows you rather than someone that only gets an hour inside of studio to try and get to know you. And they're different people, by the way, those two Emmas. <laughs> she she told me that you're very introverted. Right. From perspective, which for somebody that is hosting thousands of people on the ground at the NEC or with a microphone in their hand or on TV... Those two things, most people wouldn't think go together. Mm. So do you just become extroverted when you've got a microphone in front of you? How does that work? I love a microphone. <laughs> um, I think I'm an, I don't know which way an around. introverted it, extrovert. extrovert. Yeah, whichever way around that is. I think um, Miss Emma Walsh is definitely the, the stage version of me. I think I know how to switch it on when I have to. Um, I think that comes from performing. And, and being a dancer and a singer on stage, no matter what was going on in your life, you'd, you'd come on stage and you'd perform like it was 
your first time. So I definitely think that element from the performer world has kind of crossed over into this world. Um, I think the older I get, the more introverted I get. I do find, I find things overwhelming. I think this, this industry and this life can be very full on. And I often have these big jobs, like after autosport, I'm like, Talia knows, like, don't, like, Monday, like, I don't want to talk to anyone. Like, I want a whole day on silence. Also, because you've got screeching cars in your ear for five shows a day. So, is it five a day of those it shows? Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of saying the same things as well over and over and over again. Same jokes, same everything, first time. Ha ha ha. Crofty's dad jokes. Ha ha. <laughs> How did you learn, though, how to do that? Or was the first time that you picked up a microphone in one of those shows, it just comes naturally? I still get scared. I'm not going to lie. Like, I have, I get imposter syndrome um, all the time. I think practice makes perfect. Uh, with the Autosport show, we quite literally put the show together the day before. In terms of the script, Crofty and I put it together the night before the press show. So come the press show on Thursday, I'm, I'm pretty terrified because... You don't know how the show's going. You haven't quite learnt your script well enough. Um, and I I like to be prepared. He likes to go off script. <laughs> yeah, he's always there with his notes, isn't he? We both have the same notes. We both have our lines that we have to say. Um, it's, you know, we can add in anything we want. It's not, it's not a strict script, but I am a script person. Like I come from the land of acting where you learn your lines. And so... That's just how I'm, that's how I work. He is brilliant at like just talking. So he's great at just coming up with things on the spot or filling a gap or um, the Saturday morning, um, I got told the day before they were like, oh, by the way, uh, Crofty's not doing the 10 a.m. show. And I was like, sorry? They were like, we just also just done one version of the show. And now I had to change the whole show so that I was running the whole thing. And I was absolutely terrified because it's the filling where, the problem is for me it's like if there's a crash you have to fill that gap for as long as it and, takes and you had a crash right there I was had four crashes you in had my four show. crashes in the show well <laughs> our dear were... friend and previous guest of the podcast mr mark mccann uh, was <laughs> involved was in so i did wonder if it was him at any point but no, it wasn't i think him. he escaped no, he was great he was great it wasn't him and you know it was part of the the races like the autographs and those cross cross cars and stuff so um they had crashes during the sh during the show so uh, I just had them in my inner ear being like, um, they're still still clearing the stage, just full for three minutes. And I was like, okay, we're doing a selfie. Everybody get the lights up. And I got my phone out. I was like, everybody say yay. And it's um, those moments where you just have to, and that I think that just takes practice. And, and Crofty's great at doing that. So when I'm trying to be on script and he's off script or he's saying my lines or sometimes you get thrown and I think, um, you know, by Saturday and Sunday, you're doing, you're doing so many shows, it just kind of comes second nature but yeah i still i do still get nervous when i do stuff like that well for fans like me that's the environment that we're used to seeing you in and you touched on the fact that because you took an opportunity to go and host guests on a yacht in monaco watching the formula one sounds wonderful unpaid sounds wonderful unpaid, unpaid <laughs> you actually met the likes of um tim me 150 and you mentioned his manager mark was on uh, the boat as well and other people so did that did just meeting those people and seeing what they do did that make you go, I now want to become a YouTuber? No, not at all. I didn't even know what YouTube was. It wasn't that popular back then. I think this was eight years ago. I don't even know when YouTube started. It wasn't a thing for me. I had no idea who Tim Shmi, I didn't even know who he was. It was such a new world for me. But, you know, they kind of opened my eyes and, and Mark and Tim were so kind. To, I mean, I looked after them all weekend and they were just super nice to me and I was so interested in cars and racing. I had so many questions and they were like, well, if you really like racing, we've got this um, track day uh, in Spain, I think it was. Do you want to come and join us? And of course I was like, yeah, absolutely. And of course you said yes. In my brain, I've got no money. I'm like, <laughs> how am I going to get to Spain? I mean, I remember being on that trip, being so broke. And it was one of those, you know, where they like, oh, buy your lunch and expense it kind of, kind of moment. And I remember just having like a panic attack, being like, how am I going to pay for lunch? And then expensive. I was I was so broke at the time, um, but I just really just made the most of that weekend. I was like, right, this job is not great. I'm working, you know, twenty hours a day. They're making us walk two hours home to get to our apartment. Like, it was pretty savage. But I was like, how can I turn this around? 
And I just networked the hell out of that event and met the right people and then continued to make sure that I was in contact with them. And it kind of kind of went from there. So as you mentioned, you've got this network of people that you've suddenly built. You've met people through absolute pure chance by just taking opportunities as these you, you see taking opportunities as you see them in front of you. Mm-hmm. Do you think it is okay morally to have strategic friendships when trying to build a career or a personal brand? Is that a trick question? <laughs> um, yes or no. I there's two sides. I mean, of course you have to network with the right people to get the right jobs. I'm not great at faking friendships. So Yeah, and you're an actress. And I am an actress, believe it or not. Because I'm an, a massive empath as well. And I, I also have been used throughout my career and I don't like the feeling. It's not a nice feeling. I've I've lost a lot of friends through through that really. So it is there's I think there's an understanding in the industry of being work friends and being friends and a mutual agreement sometimes where you are helping each other in the industry. And I think that's okay. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I think a lot of us need help. I think there isn't enough help. And if you're working in the same industry, you get on, you can mutually benefit each other. I don't think there's anything, anything wrong with that. Now, most people would try and ask this question in a way that they would already believe that there's um, huge difficulty or a huge problem. But I'm going to structure it a little bit differently. Annoyingly, every episode that um, a woman in motorsport comes on to, no doubt the whole topic comes up about, oh, it must be really hard to be a woman in a male-dominated environment. It's just the normal question. But the question that I'd kind of like to spin it on is, we see you on stage at Auto Sport. To us, you, you've done a brilliant job. No one even is, well, certainly from my group and the people I hang around with thinks, oh, she's done really well because she's a, well, and she's a woman. We're just like, oh, Emma's brilliant at hosting with Crofty. Does it still exist and do you experience difficulty being a woman in motorsport? Yeah, of course. I think it's very difficult though because it's like, it's like me saying to Crofty, oh, people are only interested in what you have to say because you're a male. Like, it doesn't, do you know what I mean? I get it. Women in motorsport are new. Um, yes, it's still difficult. I've had maybe 50, 50% of people who are horrible and not supportive and don't like the change and don't respect you. But I've also had a lot of men in the industry who have been very helpful in my career. So, Where do you see that? Is it on social media, on comments, on TV reports, on management? Where do you actually see the the negative impacts if you know what i mean youtube was a very negative place i felt um it's why it's not the main reason why i stopped doing youtube but i I did find a lot of negativity on youtube i find it in the industry listen hey this i mean any industry is difficult this industry is particularly difficult especially when you're up against other people not everyone's supported like supportive of you coming into the industry i've had a hard time I haven't always had like I said this has been a a second career that I wasn't quite always looking to get into I always wanted to be a presenter it was part of my performing life um so presenting for sure and then of course I loved F1 so at the time it kind of made sense so it's taken a long time to to kind of get on the right path to presenting um and I feel like it's, it's taken a long time to get there but also I wasn't 
I don't feel like I'm exactly where I need to be. So when you're jumping in and out of out of F1 or any other championship, not everyone is supportive of you being there. I think I remember leaving Silverstone the one year and according to my socials, it was the best weekend ever. And it was great, but I remember driving home and crying the whole way home. I felt so unwelcomed. Um, I felt like people didn't want me there or support me there. Or appreciate your or F1 appreciate, knowledge. 100%, yeah. So yeah, you get it in the industry, you get it online, you get it with people you work with who maybe are, I think all performers and people are a little bit insecure. So I think sometimes if I'm working with a man and he's feeling insecure, there's those little digs like constantly that you're just like about being a girl in the industry. So I think you get it from everywhere really. It's not always just online. Is that like, oh, it's okay for you, you're pretty, et cetera? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we've watched you in F1 and is it my right to say you've also done IndyCar? Yeah, I did. I did a job with Indy. Yeah. So is the States very different for you presenting than the UK? Is there any differences or? I actually find America in general a lot more welcoming. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I found that in, even in the um, performing world, singing and dancing, I feel like when I was over there, I used to do movies. I did musical theater. I sang, I danced, I acted. And when you're over there, they're like, oh my God, you can do everything. That's so great. When I came to the UK, they were like, well, you can't do movie acting and musical theater. You have to choose one. I was like, I don't want to choose one. I want to do them both. Like I was doing Grease and I was also doing a, a stunt film and acting in, in this and I was in a girl band. Like, why can't I do all, all of three? It. Yeah. So I do feel like in the UK, it's a little less welcoming then the uk uh, simon Durnham, uh, <laughs> who owns urban automotive reindeer yeah. company i think he summed it up brilliantly he said he thinks the uk is the most negative nation of all of them he's like we take a car to the us and it's like love 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 you make one mistake with a car in the uk and it's just like it, your brand's written off yeah um so getting somewhere in the uk does seem to be a lot more challenging yeah. but how what I want to understand is what does a week in the life of Emma look like? What does what does that week kind of look like when you're presenting, doing all these different jobs? And how do you piece that together into like a monthly Liverpool in income as well, if you know what I mean? Because it's so yeah. all over the place, if you know what I mean. Do you just live like by the moment or is there planning throughout a whole year? Depends what week it is. This week is, I have, you know, I have not one job lined up for this year. So January for me is a very stressful time of the year um and i'm not saying this for like oh where is me like this is the job that i've chosen um and i love it but yes january can be quite stressful i think everyone's getting their plans together for the year and, and not everything's been put on the table but that is the freelancing world like you don't know what's coming up um which can to a lot of people is is overwhelming and um i feel overwhelmed this week so yeah definitely it's hard so this week is now about getting in touch with people i worked with last year sending my showreel off the hustle is is on in january and um that's insane yeah. so, someone that we literally watched on a main performance stage in front of thousands of people last week to all of us who clearly looks like they've got everything sorted stood out there doing that is now this week going ah help me yeah for sure and, it, and it, it, it's constant throughout the year. It's like, it. I mean, last year was extremely busy for me. I was super grateful. Um, so you're either very, very busy when I'm like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed, I need a break. Or it, it comes to January and, you know, last year was was full on. I don't feel like I've had a break at all. I hit the ground ground. I love autosport, but it is right in the beginning of the year. Um, so you don't get much of a break. And then I get to January and I'm like, hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing this year at it's all. It's all really cold and <laughs> there's not a lot of car stuff going on. Why am I not in Cape Town? Yeah. So from entering that world and doing all the things, and I think we should actually touch quickly to bring into all of those things. Stunt driving? Yeah. How oh, the hell do you do that? Is that just come from go-karting? Yeah, and where'd you start? It's crashing professionally, basically. Um, the first stunt job I ever did was through my dancing friend's husband. So he was the stunt director in South Africa. They needed a small girl who um looked like a child basically was the the description to drive a car backwards through a house for a for an insurance advert so you had to ramp it through the kitchen like just smash everything up basically and i was like oh my god i'll do that for sure 
So that was my first kind of introduction to stunts and they strap you in and they teach you how to crash and they pull the car backwards through a house and you're crashing through everything. And um, I was like, this is kind of fun. So I started doing more stunts. I did The Scorpion King. So that was all the fight scenes in that. Um, and then I did a few movies. So I love the stunt driving, um, blowing up tires, like in movie, like I love being on set. So that was really cool for me. Um, and then Terry and I had a, a really big stunt accident last year, which wasn't wasn't actually even part of the of the plans on the media day. Uh, we ramped the truck and and basically crashed it. So you and Terry Grant, yeah. Did you not see it last year? No, explain. <clears throat> was this an autosport? It was an autosport, and it was on media day, and everyone was filming, and it's a big finale, and I mean, it, it's a stunt show anyway. He is a stunt guy, and everyone was like, "Whoa." And they were just confused. They were like, "Is this part of is this part of the show or not?" But yeah, we completely rolled the uh, rolled the car. Um, and Terry was like, "Well, you said you're a stunt girl, so you have to prove you're abs- it. But yeah, you're prove absolutely it one fine. day." Yeah. Luckily, we were absolutely fine. My neck was was pretty sore for the for the year, but um, no, we were fine. We were both very lucky to. Yeah, because Mister McCann is pretty beat up. You said uh, you said a, a funny sentence. You said you're a professional stunt driver. Well, I think Mark is an unprofessional stunt driver because he does it in his back garden he half does. the time. He's crazy. He I know I've seen some of his stuff. Incredible. Um, it's very cool. Unhinged would also be unhinged maybe a, is word a great word to yeah. use. Mm. But out of all of those moments, what would you say has been one of the peaks for you? What's one of your favourite things that you've achieved through kind of pursuing doing everything you love? I've had some really amazing highlights over the couple of years for sure i think anything to do with driving is great we got to drift lamborghinis in the ice like that was that was pretty epic learning how to do stuff like that and just getting those experiences in general is pretty amazing and we don't get paid for stuff like that anything press trip is not is not paid so anyone would be like oh i do that for free which you, you would but you're working that when that's your job you start i mean i worked for free for the first couple of years two three Yes. But then I challenge that with you were making content at the time, no, for YouTube. Was, so there's a form of income off the back of it if you can get it to get views. If the views aren't I there. think the most I ever made on YouTube in one month was £800. Wow. It was low. People thought I was making money on YouTube. I really wasn't. It was bad. But YouTube was never my goal. And, G- and also because I'm not a... Is it a showreel? For sure. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was, I started without a plan. So I was getting all these cool experiences that I was filming and I thought, this is great. I'm building up a a profile. Um, I'm being asked to drive these supercars and I had some amazing people in Ferrari and McLaren who gave me an opportunity. But the only reason they gave me the opportunity is because I had my race license. They trusted me with the car. So it all kind of fell into place and I had this profile going on YouTube, but I wasn't making any money. So I worked for free for a, a really long time. And eventually I just had to be like, I can't do this anymore. If I'm going to make a career and, and switch over, I'm going to have to start charging. But it was a weird time. I was one of the first female YouTubers in the UK to start following in like Tim and Sam and Seb's footsteps. So there wasn't really a path for me. So I had to kind of create it myself. And um, it, was, it was really challenging i loved it but yeah sure it was, it was challenging as well so what have been some of the highlights of your career i think starting off was probably interviewing sebastian vessel um that was quite a pinch me moment uh in the sense that nobody really done that kind of content before so i was terrified but he was so nice he was like emma just relax ask me anything you want so he made that um a really great experience and the fact that i beat him on the sim Technically, I beat him on the sim because he crashed out. So that was really fun. I think last year was a really big moment for me working with Red Bull. Um, that was a job that I got asked to do that I wasn't actually even in the country for. But this is the kind of moment where I'm like, I thank past Emma for making an effort to make these jobs happen. I had to rearrange an entire job in in Canada. I bought two flights home just to make sure that I arrived on the morning of the job. I had my car and my makeup artist waiting at the the airport for me she did my makeup in the car on the way to this rebel job to make sure that i got the job done because i thought there was going to be a really good um job for me to get involved in but yeah that was a really pinch me moment working with max and checo and christian that was a that was quite a big high but yeah i have to put the effort in you've got to put the effort in um a lot of these jobs don't just just come to you so 
How does someone, though, I, I really struggle to see in your story where the catalyst moment was of change, where you went from the broke girl on, on, the, bo- on the boat <laughs> to with Max and Checo doing an interview. It's wild, isn't it? Where was it? Do you remember that change moment? I remember my first ever paid job for YouTube. And I was like, wow, they they offered me the fee. I had no idea what the fee was in this industry, but they were like, right, we can pay you X amount. Um, and it was with Scene Through Glass. We both went to to Italy. Um, I think it was Abarth was the job. And I was like, whoa, I can actually get paid for this. And I was like, that's cool. Um, and it went from there. But I think last year was probably was probably my best year career-wise in terms of actually getting paid what I think I'm worth. Um, and the job with Alfa Romeo last year was probably a, a big turnaround point for me. What was that? Uh, we did a small series on talking about the car, um, the drivers, the steering wheel. It was just a short burst of episodes that I collaborated with um, Alfa Romeo and uh, the F1 team. So that was pretty cool. I was sat in a in a Zoom meeting with like 50 people and I had, I was like, what's happening right now? Because I, I still get those moments when I'm like, this is crazy. Like 13-year-old Emma on a go-karting track would just not believe that I'm sat here talking to these these team owners and CEOs and and they're looking to me for ideas and content and production and it's it's pretty cool. What out of all of those moments, all of those heights, all of those bits that you loved, was there a moment that you had the come down off the back of it as you said like last week you were presenting all week at autosport this week you find yourself with almost nothing to do for the rest of the year trying to find work is there a point where you just thought the whole presenting everything that i want to do i, I just can't do this anymore i have that monthly happens <laughs> all the time there's amazing there's some big highs and then there's some really really big lows as well and i think people don't see the work that goes on behind the social media the, you know, the four stories a day takes up 20 seconds of your, your day. People are kind of assuming that that's your entire day. Uh, people don't see, I sounding like I don't like what I do. I love what I do, but for sure, there are massive highs and massive lows. You come off the back of a job, it's incredible, but then you have to find the next job. So it's like you're up here and then you're back to no job and then you have to find the next job. For someone that's willing to do so much as well and sort of say yes to such an array of opportunities, is it kind of hard to stay actually focused on the goal and the, the thing that you want to achieve and not get dragged off in another direction? Yeah. <laughs> For someone who says yes to everything. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's because I always had a goal of being a pop star. So that when I was in the performing industry, I knew that that's kind of where I wanted to get. Whereas when this all started, it was more, I'm getting to do all these cool things. Look, Dad, I'm working in F1, you know, from from watching it on the sofa with you. Look, I'm interviewing Sebastian Vettel. Like, I'm the first female YouTuber to do this. And That's really got to cool. be a yeah, pinch me moment, right? For sure. But I think at the time, you're just like, I don't even know what's going on right now, what's happening. And I look back now and I'm like, my goodness, I was the first person to to kind of introduce that in the UK. I didn't know that back then because I was just going with whatever was coming up in front of me. But I look back now and, you know, Sam, seen through glass and I were the the two people they chose to work with, Scuderia Ferrari and, and interview Sebastian Vettel. And I had a, a challenge with him on the sim and had all this content. And I was like, that's, that's cool. But that path wasn't like I had to create that path along the way. And I don't ever think I had this end goal of what I wanted to do because it wasn't anybody that I could look at it and be like oh I want to do that like I could with with the pop star thing is the formula one the end goal though being a mainstream presenter for f1 um because you're at vegas I love f1 I really do I really love f1 for sure I would love to be involved in that a lot more um I like doing the personality like I got into it more because I wanted to interview people to get more of a personality when I was in F1 in the beginning they the answers were strict like you couldn't ask them anything they couldn't talk about anything personal obviously everything has massively changed now because of TikTok and you know the drivers are doing all sorts of videos which is really really cool so I got into it because I wanted to bring in that personality of the the teams and the drivers so 
for sure, I'd love to be involved in that. Maybe interviewing people on the stage, still the entertainment side of things. I really look up to Natalie Pinkham. I think she's incredible. Um, and she's definitely path, like paved a way for women in the industry as well as Rachel Brooks and Laura Winter. But I wouldn't want to be doing that kind of presenting. That's not my end goal. For me, I, it would probably always be more the entertainment side of things, a TV show, a bit of F1, a bit of everything. And how hard are those opportunities to come by? How do you look? How do Very you find? For, for girl, there's a, as you say, there's a TikTok wave. I've I've got a friend of mine, um, Grace, who's gained over fifty thousand followers in a year, yeah. producing content <clears throat> on TikTok for just a pure love of motorsport and cars and and her passion. So, is there any element of also competitiveness against other oh, women God, for the exhausting. jobs in the seats? Yeah, for What's sure. What's it like? Well, obviously everything's changed for me now. There was only a handful of us doing this kind of stuff before. Now everyone's a, an F1 expert and has got a TikTok channel about F1. You can literally make any video about F1 now. And it's so popular. Drive to Survive obviously boosted the, the sport massively, which is incredible. But everyone is now an F1 expert and they have this following to kind of boost their way through into work. And I think... It's great. I love seeing more women in the, the industry, but there's a fine line between who you're giving the work to. Are they experienced enough? Are they right for the job? Are you using them because they've got now a big following? Are they the right people? So I think last year was a big test in, in this industry. What are you like as a negotiator? The introverted think, extrovert. Think, when I you've think, got to figure out how you're getting to Vegas, stand in front of a microphone, present, and then make mm -hmm. it pay and come back with uh, some money off the back of doing what yeah. you love, which they know you love doing what you love. <laughs> how do you make that work? How do you negotiate something that you really want, but it's their chance right. to give it to you? I think I can be quite savage. But I also think I've earned... I think I've earned my right to ask for the right amount of money now it's been a long time that I've worked free and worked in this industry and I also but sometimes you lose eh? sometimes I'm like well listen I I'm not going to I also don't want the industry to I think it's difficult when you're all in the same job and then somebody's underquoting or or's not getting paid the right amount of money for that job that's difficult and if you start underquoting just because you want the job the whole industry is going to suffer I feel so they ask times when I'm like, God, I'd love to do that job. And they're like, we just don't have the budget. So I need to decide whether I'm just going to do it for free or do it for less or whether I'm going to stick to my guns and be have, like... Have you ever said no yeah. to something that you've really wanted to do? Yeah. I have. And do you regret it? No. I mean... Because you're the person that always <laughs> says yes is what <laughs> we're know, learning. It's so difficult. It's difficult because they... I mean, you get stuff offered on a plate. They're like, yeah, but then they're like, oh, this is amazing experience. And you're like, but I'm work. It's a, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. And I'm very grateful. But this is now my job. Like I still have to pay my rent and I have to eat and I have to live. Going away for a week and doing this without getting paid. You, you can't always say yes to everything. Do you have a backup plan? No. <laughs> What's a backup plan? <laughs> so... I would ask, but it's kind of what, where, where from here? What does the rest of the year look like? But you kind of answered that a few questions back. But is it is it a case that if you're going to work this life, if is a message to maybe young content creators, women that want to go into presenting, is it a case of sometimes it is just a little bit chaos and you've got to be willing to live, kind of step by step? Yeah, it, and I'm I can be quite a control freak. I like things to, to I like to know what's happening. I like to know the script. I like to know all aspects of the job and I like to manage myself because I know what works and what doesn't. I like to produce the content. And so there is a, there is an element to having to let go sometimes because you can't be in control of what's going on. I make it sound like I don't know what I'm doing. I obviously have some things in the pipeline for the year. And I know that January, I mean, eight years of doing this, I know January is always the month where it's slightly unstable. Um, but stuff always comes in. So I don't feel panicked anymore. It's not nice not knowing, I guess, but I've got some I've got some things in the pipeline which could be could be very exciting. What's the single most important thing that you've done for yourself during your career that's enabled you to have the opportunities 
that you've got as a piece of advice to another content creator or girl willing to get somewhere what is the single what is a personality trait that has allowed you to get to where you are i think i would say being good with people as much as sometimes i like to not be around people your friend said you hate people (laughs) (laughs) she would say that (laughs) she hates people as well no that's why we live so well together no i don't i don't hate people i like um i think because my my year can be quite chaotic i do like to just i'm quite a homebody um i'm quite a chilled person on the other side of the miss emma walsh but i think being good with people in terms of making the connections keeping the connections and just yeah i say yes to things Along, that are scary alongside the miss emma walsh yeah so, so how, how much of an act do you go into when you're becoming miss emma walsh and why is it miss emma walsh that was always on my post when the post came in it was said miss emma walsh <laughs> and when i got announced on stage it was like here's miss emma walsh and i was just like well that's kind of a stage name and it was a name that wasn't you know a lot of youtubers choose names that aren't their names and i thought that was easier to just be myself i didn't want to be anybody else um i'd been acting everybody else my entire career so i thought why not just have my name but i think the miss emma walsh is is the confident version of me i think i get on stage and it's it's you switch on that that act and i say act it's still me it's just like probably a more talkative more confident version of of myself well, I look forward to seeing you for sure on screens uh, for the rest of the year. I have no idea which ones they'll be. I'm <laughs> very much I. hoping it'll be Formula One because that is something that myself and assistant Steve absolutely love to watch. It's been a pleasure to have you here talking about where, how you've got to where you are today and all the things that make up Miss Emma Walsh. Thank you very much. And for everybody that's watching or listening, please hit the subscribe button, like this video, and hopefully we'll be chatting to Emma again in the future. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.